Well, good morning, all of you that are joining us, uh, and I hope that uh, you're all doing well, uh, that you're all strong and healthy still, and that over the uh, last week, um, as we've uh, kind of contemplated uh, what Christ has done uh, through the celebration of Easter and all of those things, that, uh, yeah, you're filled with uh, a hope and a certainty that uh, God is incredibly uh, great, incredibly powerful, and that uh, He is the best news uh, that we could get uh, in a time like this. As for this week, uh, this morning, we are going to be looking, uh, returning back to the Psalms again, uh, but with a fitting psalm, uh, especially in light of what we have just celebrated, uh, in light of uh, Easter, in light of Christ's death and resurrection, and all that that uh, means for us. Uh, and, and the weight that that carries. Uh, but before I begin, before I read the passage for us, I actually have a question for you, a question to just contemplate and think over. Um, and that question is, what do you cry out to God when you ask Him? Or what are you asking God when you ask Him for safety? Uh, we do this in our pr private prayer time when we uh, pray and when we ask God for things, we so often ask God, God, keep me safe. And so my question to you this morning is, have you prayed that? Do you ask God uh, that in your prayer? And uh, the next question is, what do you mean when you pray that? When you ask God to keep you safe, uh, what do you think uh, you are saying? Uh, and what is it that, uh, yeah, what is it that you're saying and, and how do you think God is going to answer that? This morning's psalm really uh, co covers that, covers a question of, uh, or not a question, but actually a request that God will keep, uh, keep him safe. And in this context, it's David again, and that's how he begins the psalm. So let's turn to Psalm 16 and I'll read there for us. Psalm 16. Here we go. It says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So this is quite an incredible psalm. Uh, it's really exciting to, to be able to look at it. Uh, there's so much in it. Uh, but what a great way to start a psalm, uh, a cry, a call for God to keep me safe. He says, keep me safe, my God, 
for in you I take refuge. And this is how the psalm begins. Really, uh, it, it asks and, and cries out a very honest uh, request. It puts out an honest request. And so David calls out and he says, Keep me safe, my God. But what does that look like? What does it mean when we call out to God? When we say, God, keep me safe. Uh, we so often use the, the kind of refrains of saying, Lord, keep us safe on the road. Lord, keep us safe uh, at home. Lord, keep us safe and protect us from uh, dangers. And, and these kind of refrains are what we use when we pray. And maybe, uh, like, uh, like me, you've also prayed those kind of prayers at some point. And maybe you still do. And what are we actually asking for? Are we asking that God would protect us from our physical circumstances right here and right now? Well, it seems interesting if we've worked through this psalm to see uh, David's way of looking at it and the way he understands what he means uh, by saying, um, Lord, keep me safe. Um, I take refuge in you. So, the first section that we actually need to just highlight is verses 1 to 4. And these are interesting to see just what he says. So actually picking up in verse 2, he says this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. So David is making this incredible distinction. He's saying up front, uh, right up front, he's saying that there is, there is one of two options. Um, either you are all for God, you are serving Him, you are loving Him, uh, you are taking your refuge in Him, or you are going to attempt to find comfort and security and safety in other things, like other nations, who what what they do is instead turn to other gods. And he says, I'm not going to sacrifice to other gods. I'm not going to utter their names on my lips. There is only one God, and that is the God that I take refuge in. So up front, he, uh, David is giving us uh, indication as to what he means when he says, uh, Lord, may uh, keep me safe. Uh, my God, when he asks that, he's asking it to, to be able to say that in, in resting in God, in trusting in God, that that is where uh, he finds his safety. Uh, not in other gods, not in other things, not in possessions, not in, an, in, in, in other uh, aspects of life, but only in God. Uh, that is where he takes refuge. The next section, verses 5 through to 8 highlights for us uh, a slightly different aspect, that he, he then takes it a little bit further. He, he lays the foundation of how he feels about God in one sense. So he says that God is his only portion. There is nothing more that he could possibly ask for. That God is, an enough, is enough of a portion. He is more than enough of a portion. God is his cup. So he is satisfied, he is quenched, he is, uh, he is filled uh, by uh, who God is and what God has to offer. So that's interesting to, to notice that. Uh, David not only says that he will take refuge in God, 
but that in resting in God, in trusting in God, in turning to God, that God is also enough. He satisfies. He keeps him. He fills him. And then he goes further in 6 and 7 where he highlights that. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart uh, instructs me. And so what he paints here is this picture of how uh, God provides uh, out of God's goodness and his uh, actual inheritance that he receives from God is good. His, his portion is good. And on top of that, verse 7, how he highlights that God counsels him. God gives him comfort. God uh, uh, speaks to his heart in that sense and, and helps him to wrestle with things in life uh, to some degree. And then he concludes that section by saying, keep my eyes away, uh, always on the Lord. Uh, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And so this is important to highlight. Uh, it's the same language that again comes into play from the previous psalm that we looked at, uh, that Ludwig took us through, uh, in, in how it ends. So uh, the Psalm 15 that we looked at with Ludwig, it ends with, whoever does these things will never be shaken. And and who is that person, a person that... Uh, that strives to rid themselves of all evil and wickedness uh, and seeks to serve and love and turn to God in every area of their life. Uh, and here David says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Uh, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So that confidence, uh, not only in, in the idea that uh, he turns to God, he looks to God, he always seeks God, but that his confidence lies that in doing so, uh, he won't be shaken because of who God is. And then we get to these uh, last three verses of the psalm, which is really uh, beautiful, uh, absolutely beautiful words. Um, and maybe you don't see that up front, but let's read them quickly. It says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. And so this is significant, not only because of what David is saying here, and the truth that he's saying, but in how it is fulfilled. What, what is said here by David is actually being fulfilled uh, for us today uh, as we look at it. Um, and especially coming out of Easter, coming out of the whole uh, celebration and, and, and wrestling and rejoicing uh, in the whole reality of what Christ has done for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Uh, this psalm actually picks up in a point in, in history where it is solidified all the more uh, as God's people are gathering, um, as Christ has ascended, and uh, we hear what uh, Luke uh, accounts for uh, in, in, in Acts uh, 2, verse 25. And in Acts 2, verse 25, he quotes this, um, this exact psalm, uh, but this last part of the psalm in particular, where he says, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And then he carries on with the rest of the, the psalm. Um, and it's incredible because it is fulfilled in Christ, what he is saying here. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. 
Luke is drawing that connection. He's saying that not only what David was saying was significant for David, but it is significant because in Christ, Christ fulfills it. And so when he says that my tongue rejoices, uh, my body also will rest in hope. It's resting in the hope that there will be a resurrection, that there will be life, that there is that hope of what Christ has done for us, and that we will enjoy that and, and, and rejoice in that and find rest in that. As well as verse 27 uh, in Acts, at least, he says, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let my Holy One see decay. And that we know to be true. We know that Christ was uh, Christ overcame. Uh, he overcame the grave. He conquered the grave. He was resurrected, as we saw on Sunday. And we celebrate that. But we celebrate it even more so uh, when we read things like this. That uh, David could say something so profound, so magnificent, and then we see how it comes uh, full circle in one sense, or, or expands itself in such greatness uh, through Jesus Christ. And then we have that uh, final verse that, that uh, Luke quotes here, and he says, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And uh, isn't that fantastic? Uh, you have made known to me the paths of life. Uh, and when we consider that, we see how uh, God has revealed to us the path of life, and that is Jesus Christ himself. That is Jesus Christ. And you will fill me with joy in your presence. Because if we follow that path, if we follow Christ, if we follow him, uh, we don't only uh, follow that path, but we follow it into life and into God's presence, into uh, that celebration that we get to have uh, with God uh, because of what Christ has done. And so this is, this is incredible because this is fulfilled uh, in what David has said. But just before uh, Luke quotes us in Acts, he says these things. Listen to these words, verses 22. He says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And David said this about him. And then uh, Luke goes to quote him. So isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible how, how the Psalms are used uh, and, and seen to be fulfilled in Christ Jesus? And so when we con consider this Psalm 16, uh, we really see uh, what it is all about, all the more full, fully. That here David is asking this question. Uh, or he's making a plea, a request. Keep me safe, my God. Uh, but what would that look like? So, going back to the question that I asked in the beginning. Have you asked this question? Have you asked God to keep you safe? Uh, what are you expecting? What are you awaiting? What are you longing for? Are you wanting God to keep you safe when you're traveling on the road, when you're sleeping, when you are uh, going about in your everyday things? Are you asking God to keep you safe from uh, the virus, or the coronavirus that's being spread? Or are you asking Him a far deeper, a far weightier, a far uh, more important uh, question or plea? Um, are we pleading to God 
that His Son, Jesus Christ, will be the one that makes the path of life possible. So that's something worth wrestling about. Are our pleas, or are our cries, or questions, or, or whatever you want to call them, uh, for safety, are they more about our everyday safety? Uh, or are they actually uh, about uh, the safety that God has given us in Jesus Christ? So that's something we're thinking about. Uh, maybe that will challenge the way we pray. Maybe it's not a bad thing to pray that God will keep you safe. Um, but is that the most important thing? Is it not more important at the end of the day uh, that you are safe in Christ? Because at the end of the day, if you're not safe in Christ, but maybe uh, you are safe in this world, um, what, what is the outcome? Uh, because at the end of the day, if you don't have safety in Christ, if you don't have safety in God, if you're not taking refuge in God, uh, and something does happen to you, uh, then you've never truly had safety at all. If you understand what I mean. It is an eternal issue. It is a, it is a far greater issue, uh, a level of eternal safety, if you want to put it that way, than earthly safety. And that's why this psalm is so significant in how it ends. There is a piece of which uh, Luke uh, omits at the end of, of his quotation. Uh, but it's this last line. Uh, that reads like this in verse 11 of Psalm 16. It says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, that's significant. It's not about immediate pleasures, but eternal pleasures. It's about being able to sit uh, at the right hand of God uh, in some sense uh, through Christ in that way. Uh, but to, to be in his presence, to enjoy the pleasure of his presence. So that's interesting. Uh, this psalm, at, at, at face value, you first think it's going to take you down the road of David in one of his other psalms where he cries out for protection and safety from the enemy. But instead he asks a far deeper, uh, or he pleads a far deeper plea of safety in the refuge of God who will ultimately save him uh, from death, save him from decay, um, and ultimately save him uh, to a life of eternal pleasure at the right hand of God. So that's beautiful, beautiful in light of who Christ is, in light of what we've just celebrated with Easter, that that is uh, being established and that is established through Christ and through Christ's death and resurrection, uh, that that is making the way possible. So if you believe, if you trust, if you love God uh, and what His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for you, then this is wonderful news. This is amazing news. Uh, because we get to look forward to it, and we get to trust and hold on to that kind of safety. But if you're not yet sure, if you're doubting whether God is, uh, whether you can trust God for that matter, um, it becomes a frightening thing, because our future, our uh, eternal future in that sense, is very uncertain. Because what will happen to us if we don't trust in God is a rather frightening uh, thing to consider. But in Christ, uh, He gives us safety. In Christ, we can take refuge. And uh, we then shouldn't and wouldn't long to see anything else. Because Christ is uh, the, our portion. He is enough uh, with what He has done for us. And isn't that an incredible picture? That uh, what God has done is He has made the way possible. He has made this plea of David possible through His Son, Jesus Christ.
So I hope that encourages you. I hope it challenges you. I hope it gets you to really think about what you cry out for when you cry out for safety. Are you crying out for immediate safety from the, from the things that are infringing on your, on your personal life? Or are you truly crying out for eternal safety, solidified and guaranteed uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ? So, wrestle with that. Think about it a bit. Uh, maybe the next time you pray, uh, before you do so, consider how are you going to ask God for safety and what are you actually asking for. And say what you mean. Uh, don't simply say safety. Ask exactly what you mean or plea for what you mean. Saying, Lord, may the safety of your son Jesus Christ become a reality and a genuine joy in my life rather than saying, keep me safe today, uh, where it is maybe vague. Uh, so yeah, let's pray and let's ask God uh, to do this for us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message in Psalm 16 and the fulfillment that comes about through your Son Jesus Christ. And that as we turn to you, we can call, call out to you and ask for safety. Uh, but not just safety in this world, but true and genuine safety. Safety from a life of destruction, a life of disaster, a life that will end only in the grave. But Lord, we pray for safety in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we will recognize and rejoice in the salvation and the path of life that he has made clear to us through himself. So Lord, as we turn to your Son, Jesus Christ, may we rejoice in uh, the safety of knowing that he has given us salvation. And Lord, we pray that this will be solidified in our hearts and minds uh, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers. Bye.